Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Everything's 5 by 4 You told me it was an unstoppable ice cream machine. My name is Steve, and how this works for people who haven't listened before, I will discuss five randomly selected topics from a list of 10 for four minutes apiece. So it's a show that I'm trying to do weekly. So far, so good. This episode is a Futurama reference. It is an episode where Fry is tricked by Leonardo da Vinci into making a killing machine uh, because he was told it was an unstoppable ice cream machine. So, yeah, that's that's Futurama for you. All right, uh, so without further ado, let's use random.org to generate the topics for this week. Topic number one is number two, which is beer. Okay, moving on. We've got topic number eight, which is shoutouts. Haven't had that one before. All right. Topic number four, which is movies. Topic number seven, which is other miscellaneous sports. And last but not least for this week, we've got topic number five, which is music. So those are the topics for this week. All right, and usually with subjects, I actually prepare a little better. But this time, the beer I actually wanted to talk about, I did not realize that I had drank the last one in the fridge. So kind of a little more wingy at this week. I was going to talk about Hollywood Mango IPA, uh, which, I mean, IPAs have been super popular for the last several years. Uh, Mango puts an interesting twist on it, though. And again, it's using something local. I have a mango tree in my backyard, for instance. So it's, uh, yeah, um, Hollywood Brewing is also something that I kind of miss due to the pandemic because it's literally right on Hollywood Beach. So you can grab uh, some beers from Hollywood Brewery, go to the beach, and sit on the beach with some beer that you purchased about 100 feet away that was brewed about 100 feet away. So, yeah, that's definitely something that is missing. My favorite beer from them, though, is actually not the Mango IPA, but rather their Limon Lager, which really is it's a lager brewed with limes. So you can take your, your lager of choice and stick a lime in it. Or if you're lucky enough to live in South Florida, you can get a Limon Lager and just have a beer with that brewed right in and it tastes like it. So since I'm talking local and again, kind of winging it a little bit, I was also going to talk about some of my favorite breweries in uh, Broward County. So uh, one of them actually is going to be rebranding, which is unfortunately thing a thing that happens sometimes. Uh, Banging Banjo in Pompano Beach is a great brewery. They do a lot of interesting things with ghosts. Um, my favorite from them is actually their uh, their coconut porter. They make a really good uh, um, coconut pumpkin beer. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things they do that I like, and they always kind of experiment and play around a little bit. 
they're rebranding themselves to Pompano Beach Brewing Company, which eh, just doesn't have as unique a feel to it. Being in Banjo, one of their logos was a Florida Panther playing a banjo. Like, come on, that's awesome. How could you rebrand from that? But they're doing it. Uh, the product will stay the same, though, hopefully. So, you know, it doesn't matter as much. Speaking of which, Funky Buddha uh, was really the first, I don't know if it was the first craft brewery in Broward, but they've been doing it a long time. As I mentioned earlier, they got bought by Constellation Brands, leading to some weird marketing and advertisement. But I think their beers are still great. Um, they still do a lot of interesting things. Uh, odd breed wide, wide. Whoa, okay. Uh, I'm going to catch myself here. I should probably get rid of that in editing, but I'm not because I went for a solid three minutes there without a mistake. So, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's nerfect, as the joke goes. Okay, so Odd Breed Wild Ales uh, in Pompano. Great brewery. They just use a lot of interesting spices, flowers, uh, all kinds of things in their beers. Uh, Lauder Ale, I also like. It's... Um, again, they, they do kind of a lot of stuff that standard craft breweries do, but their beers are good and they've got a great location. Uh, you know, it's over by the port. Um, but the brewery space itself is, is really a nice wide open space. They've got a nice patio area. They do a lot of, they did a lot of good events before COVID. Uh, hopefully they'll get back to that. And that is my quick review of local Broward breweries. Okay, so I'm going to move on to shout-outs here, but this is kind of an intro slash a postscript on the beer there. There's a lot of great breweries in Broward that I didn't mention. Um, since I moved down here about 10 years ago, the craft beer scene has exploded. Uh, so I just mentioned five, but there's even more than that that are all good. I was actually trying to get to all the breweries in Broward, Broward again before COVID didn't happen, but Hopefully soon I will be able to get a vaccine and start on that quest again. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on to shout outs now and shout outs. I'm actually going to be talking about other podcasts that I've been listening to and, and enjoyed because um, it's kind of cliche, but I'm in my late thirties and suddenly I listen to more podcasts than music. So again, what a stereotype. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a few podcasts that I enjoy. Um, so first, I'm just going to get to uh, get to some that I listen to regularly. One that I mentioned last week when I was talking about baseball, uh, last episode or maybe a couple episodes ago. Either way, uh, Storied by Bob Kendrick, who's the president of the New Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Uh, it's a really great series. Each episode focuses on a certain Negro Leagues player, but it's about five minutes long, and he brings in a lot of the social issues of the time to put it into context, um, music, all kinds of things. So it's it's really not only if you're a baseball fan, but if you're interested in history, um, if you're interested just in black culture uh, and things from... Uh, like I said, history of the era from, you know, the 1920s through the late 40s, then, yeah, it's a great listen. And each episode, I think I said this already, but each episode is only about five or six minutes long, so you can just fly through the whole series. Anyway, um, getting a little getting a little more local, I guess, in terms of my interests, uh, a lot of these are sports podcasts, go figure. 
Um, Northside Sox is one I really enjoy. Um, so it's hosted by Janice Scurio and Sam Sherman, who are freelance writers who do some coverage of the Sox. Janice is actually a great follow on Twitter. She used to be a librarian, Sox fan, you know, kind of ran my wheelhouse of interest. Uh, I don't always agree with their takes on things, but I do like how they weave in a lot of uh, social issues and commentary, and they really just kind of fearlessly pull no punches. Uh, they do some good interviews, too. Uh, another another White Sox podcast that I enjoy listening to is Sox in the Basement. Uh, it's actually a 30-minute podcast, kind of like this one, and one of the things I enjoy about it is I can listen to it on my on my way home from work or to work. And uh, yeah, it's just nice and short to the point. Um, again, I don't always agree with them on everything, but you know, I think they have a lot of interesting takes and interviews as well. Um, so another another one that I listen to regularly is World Soccer Talk. Um, I actually know the host of the show, but it's it's really well regarded in soccer circles. Uh, actually, what they talk they talk about leagues. Um, all over the world, so South America, Europe, in the context of them being on TV, which kind of sounds a little weird, um, but you know they have a lot of good information about streaming services, where to watch things, as well as a lot of discussions about tactics. Um, and they're very listener friendly. They read listeners' emails. Uh, Golden Age of Baseball is great. That's with Eddie Robinson, um, who is the oldest living baseball player. Uh, you know, he's 100 years old, still has a lot of great memories of his playing days. He actually played a couple years for the White Sox in the early 50s. I'm still waiting on getting some stories from that because he played with Minnie Minoso and Nellie Fox and Billy Pierce. Hoping to hear some of that. Haven't heard yet, but still really enjoyed his stories. And uh, yeah, he's got a killer memory and awareness and just is a great storyteller, uh, especially considering his age. Uh, a couple I listen to occasionally that I'm more national national uh that's what she said by sarah spain uh the dan lebitard show with Stu gots again both of them i think have a great sense of humor especially the latter uh they talk i think as much about social issues and context surrounding sports as they do sports themselves uh so i think they're both very unique and interesting listens uh yeah so check all of those out okay so um i think part of being a podcast host of a podcast that's listened to by maybe five people, according to metrics, is that I have to kind of go out and admit my failures sometimes. And one of those is movies for this week. So I'm trying to watch one of the Star Trek The Next Generation movies every week. Last week, I watched Star Trek Generations. This week, I didn't get around to watching Star Trek First Contact. That's one of the ones I've watched the most um you know in recent years anyway so i'm actually just gonna dip back and talk about star trek generations okay i probably should have included this in the intro but just to set the scene a little bit when i saw star trek generations uh it was only six months removed really from my peak star trek the next generation fandom i.e when the series finale happened but that period of time was going from fifth grade to starting middle school uh, with a lot of friends who weren't sci-fi geeks. So mostly my fandom was contained to watching it with my dad and my sister. Uh, this rewatch was the first time I'd actually seen it in Blu-ray, uh, which kind of was a mixed bag. 
So I'm going to avoid spoilers on the off chance that anyone hasn't seen it and actually cares. Uh, there were a few fun cameos that I saw that I missed the first time around, like Alan Ruck, a.k.a. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, plays the captain of the Enterprise B. Tim Russ, a.k.a. Tuvok from Star Trek Voyager, is in there, even though this was before Voyager came out. Uh, there's some pretty good fan service uh, to TNG. Data's emotion chip as a sub subplot. Uh, Data's cat Spot makes some appearances. Uh, everyone's favorite treasonous Klingons, the Duras sisters, also show up. Um, and then there was some stuff from the original series that I didn't really care about much at the time. And now is kind of like, eh, whatever, because, you know, I was really more into TNG than the original series. So Sulu's daughter's in there. Uh, Chekhov and Scotty make appearances. And of course, Kirk is one of the stars of the series. Um, so basically, Data's, Data's emotion ship, I think that subplot is interesting. It kind of goes between the comic relief and more serious implications. Uh, him hating one of Guinan's drinks and still asking for more is pretty much what drinking Malort is like. Uh, and I think his song that he sings about tiny little life forms would have been a meme uh, if it happened 10, ten years later. Uh, so Picard... Um, you know, this is a lot about him and his family as well. That's a subplot. I think the feelings for his nephew, Renee, kind of shine through, but they kind of make maybe too much of um, of him, you know, regretting not having kids. Uh, you know, and they also relate the Nexus, which is one of the main plots, uh, a villain trying to get to the Nexus, which is this energy disturbance where you kind of get entrapped in there. Um, it's an interesting kind of parallel, I think, to drug addiction, but it does it a lot better than, uh, Symbiosis from season one, which, yeah, is kind of icky to rewatch. Um, but, you know, they made a pretty good beer from Schmaltz Brewery based on that. Go figure. Uh, so yeah, like, um, I think Shatner, uh, does a pretty interesting job as Kirk here. There was some stuff that that pops up kind of where he says, I was out saving the galaxy while your grandfather was in diapers, which is such a Kirk thing to say, uh, you know, and that there's a lack of fear makes him realize that he's in an unreality, too, is, I think, kind of interesting. So kind of a rare um, moment from him. Uh, so kind of the opposite of what I just mentioned. Um, so I think some of the shock of this movie is originally was not knowing what happened to certain characters because you didn't know there was going to be a sequel. Um, you know, so some of that's taken away. Uh, it does set up, set up a sequel with Picard saying somehow I doubt this will be the last ship to carry the name Enterprise. Um, overall, I think some parts of it aged better than others, but the film was still kind of finding its feet after so much success as a TV show, so that can be forgiven. So I think it's still worth watching and still enjoyable. I get something different out of it a few years later. So the topic of other miscellaneous sports is sort of, for me, a choice between three things. Am I, I going to talk about Florida Panthers hockey? Am I going to talk about Mizzou and FSU basketball as like a bigger college basketball segment, or am I going to talk about the Bulls? Um, the Panthers are having a great season. Uh, I think there's a lot to talk about there. And uh, with college basketball, 
Mizzou just had a really nice win over Florida, which I always enjoy on two levels, uh, being also an FSU alum. And FSU is first in the ACC and looking great. But I think since it's the NBA All-Star break, I am going to talk about the Chicago Bulls. So I grew up in the Chicagoland area in the early 90s, which kind of tells you a lot about unrealistic expectations as a Bulls fan, which I've learned to tampen down over the past couple decades. Anyway, uh, right now the Bulls are ninth in the East at 16 and 18. Uh, They're still in the playoff places thanks to the play-in situation this year where 7 through 10 play a series against each other. But the Bulls are also only one game behind the 6th place Heat and two games behind 4th place Boston. So there's a bottleneck in the East. And uh, yeah, it's a tough situation because the standings are really close. Uh, But the Bulls have a very very valuable trade asset in Thaddeus Young. Uh, he's averaging 12.1 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, 4.4 assists per game, 1.4 steals per game, the second highest player efficiency rating on the team behind Zach Levine. And he's had a huge impact with Otto Porter Jr. and Laurie Markinen each being out for the past month. Uh, Garrett Temple has also played well off the bench. Uh, but Thaddeus Young, you know, are the Bulls going to trade him? Are they going to keep him to see if they can actually win a playoff series or two? Um, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, within a few weeks. Within a few weeks, when the trade deadline comes. Anyway, uh, Kobe White has been really inconsistent, but you know when he's on, he's on. Only shooting forty-two percent, but you know again, he's twenty-one, um, and he just is on fire sometimes. Patrick Williams is interesting. He went to FSU, so I was a big fan of the Bulls drafting him, even though logically I thought fourth is a bit of a reach, as did pretty much everybody. Uh, He was actually born after I graduated from high school, but he's still starting. He's averaging over 10 points per game, shooting 39% from three. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot to like there, even if his defense needs some work. Um, So... The Bulls in general, things positive, uh, sixth in the NBA in scoring, third in field goal percentage, 10th in three-point percentage, seventh in three-throw percentage, uh, 15th in rebounds, but have a great re- rebounding margin because they've only allowed, they've allowed the 11th fewest rebounds by opponents. And on February 10th against the Pelicans, they really showed what they could do. Zach Levine and Kobe White became the first teammates ever to make eight threes in the same game. Even the Splash Brothers haven't done it. So the negative things, second in the NBA in turnovers per game, 26th in opponents' field goal percentage, and 25th in opponents' points per game. Uh, so of the, of the 10 players averaging 12-plus minutes per game, only Thaddeus Young and Daniel Gafford have a positive defensive box plus minus which compares defensive skills to the average nba player not great definitely different from the tom thibodeau era uh so talking about the bulls only all-star zach levine having a career year uh approaching the 50 40 90 club in terms of field goal percentage three-point percentage and three throw percentage career highs and all those stats and assists rebounds and of course points he's sixth in the nba behind only bradley beal steph curry Damian Lillard, 
Joel Embiid and Giannis um, and Tentacumbo uh, in terms of points per game. Those are all just superstars. Uh, he's eighth in the NBA in true shooting percentage, too. His defense is below average, but it's on par with last year, much better than two years ago. Uh, I'm really excited for the second half from the Bulls. Sky's the limit, I think. Okay, I'm cheating a bit, going over four minutes, but I'm going to make a quick amendment here uh, before I do my intro for music. Sky's the limit is a little bit too excited for the Bulls. Uh, they've they're better than they've been the last few years, but realistically, I don't think there's any way they can overcome the 76ers, the Nets, or the Bucks. But, you know, I still think they've got a good chance of winning a playoff series or two and getting as high as the fourth or fifth seed, which is huge progress. Um, and I think the future looks decently bright. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to get into music now. Uh, the album that I reviewed this week is DJ Shadow introducing. The one I did last week uh, was You've Got My Mind Messed Up by James Carr, a classic, somewhat forgotten soul album featuring the dark end of the street. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to get to DJ Shadow. So Introducing by DJ Shadow is coming up on its 25th anniversary. It's a very groundbreaking album for all sorts of things, DJing, turntablism, sampling, mashups. Uh, it's one of the only albums I own on both vinyl and CD. Uh, it's 16 tracks cobbled together from almost 90 samples, uh, a melding of analog and digital. And just to tell you something about what this album has meant to me is, again, I have it both on CD and vinyl um, because it just sounds great on both. Unfortunately, my turntable broken, I listened to the CD version. Uh, but again, that's still great. Uh, so the CD, I actually remember pulling it out once after not listening to it for a while. And I found a grocery store receipt, which was down the street from an apartment I lived in four years earlier. So it's an album I don't always listen to a lot. But when I pick it up again, every couple of years, I listen to it like crazy. And I'm sure I will be now. Uh, so in its simplest form, it's kind of an ode to crate digging. Uh, sampling and spinning vinyl for a DJ set. Uh, I think what stands the test of time most is just DJ Shadow's ear for just densely layered textures of soundscapes, just obscure samples that somehow all play off each other and kind of build an atmosphere as much as a song. Um, comparing it to trip hop or instrumental hip hop, I think is a little simplistic, uh, but I'm kind of going to get started about the actual album itself. So Building Steam with a Grain of Salt is a classic. Uh, it's a dense layering of samples. There's educational records in there as samples, and it's held together by a pretty intense drum beat. And there's a foreboding atmosphere to the song that kind of reminds me of a Midwestern city in winter, probably because I listened to it pretty regularly when I was commuting into Chicago on the train. Uh, the number song is a banger. Uh, it features samples ranging from Grandmaster Flash to Metallica, A Tribe Called Quest to Pink Floyd, uh, and it's all formed into something completely new that you can actually kind of dance to. Uh, there's some songs where the vibe is a little weird, but I think in a positive way. Uh, Mutual Slump features DJ Shadow's then-girlfriend, future wife, saying strange things like, do you feel like Darth Vader? And I was afraid to admit I never had a cat before. Uh, but somehow that fits in with the weird inter interludes. 
Uh, Long Stem is another great track. Uh, it's very eerie, and there's a speeding up musical tapestry to it being weaved. Um, and it's kind of, there's a sample that sounds kind of desperate and panicked about a man talking about going to jail and parking tickets. And it sounds like he's battling a totalitarian government, but showing the power of musical context, it's actually an old comedy bit from the comedian Murray Roman. So he just, DJ Shadow completely changes the mood on that. Uh, Midnight in a Perfect World is another great track. Um, it's kind of a sublime mix of a piano melody, uh, atmospheric synths, and then just kind of an unobtrusive drum beat, as well as a distorted sample from Organized Confusion announcing now approaching midnight. Uh, it's more trip-hop and chilled out than most of the album. Uh, what Does Your Soul Look Like? Those are Those are tracks that kind of fit that mood, too. Uh, so overall, this album is something that bears hearing rather than describing. So all these descriptions just that I'm giving don't really matter uh, until you hear it because it's a soundscape that can be kind of listened to casually, but also one that is really busy and really layered and kind of demands your attention. Uh, I don't listen to it as regularly, as I mentioned, but whenever I do, I'm reminded it's one of my favorites and just how well it's aged over the past 25 years and probably the past 15 or so years since I first heard it. Okay, and that does it for another episode of Everything's 5 by 4 I apologize for random mistakes I made and for any ambient noise you may hear, which is the cost of living in a somewhat urbanized neighborhood uh, and not having a soundproof studio. And also me not being good at sound and editing or particularly interested in doing so. So. Anyway, but but yeah, thank you for listening. Even if I have five listeners, even if I have two listeners, even if I'm just talking to myself, I still enjoy doing this, which is why I'm still doing it every week. Uh, so again, uh, keep an eye out for next episode, um, which I should have next Friday. Thank you for listening again. My email address is everythings 5 by 4 at gmail.com. That's everything's with no apostrophe, 5x4 at gmail.com. So again, one more time, everything's 5 by 4 at gmail.com. Everything's no apostrophe, 5x4 at gmail.com. So yeah, thank you very much. And as always, hopefully I do a little bit better next week. Thank you for listening and keep everything 5 by 4 Bye.